previously on the Beam Chronicles. So the clap was going to shoot him and I stopped him, but Charlie told me, usually you just let the fly get shot. She is correct. You should have waited for the clap to fire his gun. Zero tolerance, my friend. Fly, you need to destroy this. Destroy it? Why in the world would I want to destroy? Because I told you, Beam knows about you. If they come down here and find all this, they are going to kill you if you don't destroy everything in this room. But you do have a choice. You can stop this now and live your life. Trust me, Enzo, trust me. Please leave. One day he'd realize I secured the happiest ending possible for him. Suddenly the fly was falling into a warehouse behind us and beneath him. He crashed through the glass roof with a deafening shatter. Tyler Foon's head was being devoured by KPEC. Sid, we can't let Jackson kill Fly. It was obvious to me that if I ever saw Fly again, I would kill him. And at that point, transition complete. At that point, Howie would have beaten me at our secret little game for my soul. These are the Beam Chronicles, with your host, M.J. Dooney. Book 1, Initiation, Chapter 22, Jackson Teague. After Fly crashing through the roof of that warehouse, I couldn't help but think about Sydney. I had no idea how he would survive. The truck itself should have shattered under Tyler's force were I not holding it all together. Without me, without my added push, I was sure he would get blown over in seconds. Not to mention the fact that we were easily out of nitrogen, so he was probably just about done with enhanced strength. Fly had killed Sydney, and even if I knew how he could and would revive him, Fly didn't. For all he knew, he had killed him for good. And I needed to get back outside to help Charlie stand up to Tyler. The fly was mostly harmless, grounded in this warehouse. But Maria would page me if the situation outside required my attention, if Charlie required my assistance. For now, that singular thought overtook my mind. The fly had killed my brother. And I wanted him to pay. Just for the intent. I landed in the warehouse with a resounding boom that reverberated off the walls. Fly was lying on the ground, face down in front of me, severely injured but, unfortunately, alive. He staggered onto his back, drawing one of the cartoonish guns I'd seen back in his locker that day I tried to release him from this mess, that day before any of it had started, when it all could have ended. As I stepped toward him and he backpedaled away, he shakily aimed the gun at me, arcs of electricity loudly buzzing around its barrel, but I yanked it out of his hand as he squealed softly. I held it above him for a second, then crushed it and tossed it to the side. Stay back, Jackson. He warned me unconfidently. Uh, I have more weapons, I have... I emptied his arsenal piece by piece while he helplessly watched and grasped at the air, trying to snatch each one back. Weapons I couldn't identify. Devices that may not even have been dangerous or practical at all. I pulled them out from behind his army jacket. I pulled them off his stupid utility belt. One by one, I crushed and tossed, crushed and tossed, coolly striding toward him while he stumbled away. Soon he had nothing left. 
<laughs> he growled and then took to the air, fluttering his wings and getting about six feet off the ground. I plucked him right off of his back and he yelled as he face planted back oh. down. I shredded the wings psychically and cavalierly tossed them onto him. They draped around him like confetti and toilet paper. Finally, Fly stood up. Gulping, he raised all four fists in preparation to fight me. I kept walking slowly toward him and he kept shuffling away. Come now, let's have it. He nervously challenged. <laughs> then I ripped the lower two mechanical arms off. He groaned, maybe it hurt him, I didn't care. I bashed them into each other, repetitively, with a loud clang each time as sparks cascaded out. He covered his head and whined while I mutilated his extra appendages, then cast those as well off to the side. He looked emphatically like a regular man now. All he had left of his precious secret identity were his eyes. Jackson, no! He raised both hands, begging me. Not the eyes, please! Not the eyes. I will comply with your demands. I will submit to arrest. Just please, Jackson, if there's any twinge of kindness left within you, if this place is not completely destroyed the man you once were, let me keep my eyes. Show me a single bit of mercy. I stopped walking and he froze, hands extended, imploring me. Mercy. I, I didn't mean to suggest that... I pounced him. He landed on his back and his head bounced off the concrete floor, splitting open a bit, bleeding. He made a noise, a squeal in pain, but I ignored him. I snatched the collar of his t-shirt and knelt over him as I looked down at this pathetic sack who had twice now almost ended the world. You want mercy. Jackson. I already gave you mercy. I slammed my fist into the ground a foot away from his face, busting a crater into the concrete as he winced and yelped, oh. I already gave it to you! I punched again six inches closer, then pulled his face within inches of mine, spitting in blind fury. I saved your life, you fucking moron. I saved your goddamn life. I let you go. I released you from all of this. You couldn't accept it. You refused to believe me. I pulled you out and you jumped right back in. You tried to kill me, my friends, my family. Now you want my mercy? I could not stand idly by knowing such an entity as Beam existed, Jackson. I knew that it was my duty to ensure they were thwarted by any means necessary. You must understand I had to do something. Yeah, any means necessary is a hell of a nice way to say it, you useless worm. I stood up and tossed him into the air, hoisting him telekinetically, suspended in front of me, limbs sprawled out and held in place. I could tell by the way he was squirming and sweating, it was uncomfortable. Good. You almost nuked the capital. You joined forces with a mass-murdering, deranged, uncontrollable lunatic. Those are some downright unnecessary means. For the greater good. For the demise of Beam, I know Foon is rotten, I've read his history, I had to compromise, I had to sacrifice, but the ends justified the means! Did they? You could have killed hundreds of thousands of people! To save millions, Jackson! Wrong, dick! Beam saved millions today. We saved them from you! Do you even get that? 
If Fumu would have hit the ocean, the world would have ended. Do you even understand the fire you were playing with? Can you even comprehend the damage you would have done were it not for Beam? I had control of him. I could have shut off his water at any time. You know what the worst part about you is, Enzo? It's not that you're so arrogant that you think you should be entitled to this superhero bullshit. It's not that you're actually smart enough to pull it off. It's not even that you think you're saving people, when in reality, you're just juggling their lives for your own selfish perception of your heroic legacy. The worst part about you is that you proved Howard Prophet right. If I would have let the clap shoot you or evaluated you properly, if I would have followed Beam Protocol from day one, there would have been no attack on a building containing thousands of people, no food for you to break out in the first place, and definitely no chance for you and him to team up and almost start the apocalypse. If I would have just fallen into line, zero tolerance, none of this would have happened. The world would have been a safer place. Beam was right all along. You proved profit right. By the time I was done, I was shouting. I still hadn't let him out of my telekinetic grip. I still hadn't allowed him to move. And he waited a moment for the rage to subside before he faintly retorted. Jackson, they have brainwashed you. Don't you see it? Beam is never right. They are evil. It is as obvious to me now as it was the day you told me many months ago, but somehow you have lost that insight. What is different? What has changed? Maybe I've realized it's just not that simple. Maybe defending the innocent good versus evil, it's all just an impossible dream given the state of the world. You yourself accept that you may kill thousands to save millions. Who's to say that's not what Beam does every day? Surely by now, we've equalized at least one Tanaka. Surely one out of every 42,159 actually was as dangerous as Beam assumed they would be. Maybe right and wrong is a distinction I used to understand so completely, and now I can't even make it at all. Hell, I'm not even permitted to try. And it's all I can do anymore to just get by with the cleanest shade of gray I can muster, estimate it as closely as profit will allow me, and accept my fate. This illusion they've sold you, it's merely that, my friend. There is right and wrong. I assure you, it is as clear a distinction as black and white. Question my methodology all you wish. I do as well. But do not deny my intentions were pure. You can fight against this monster. Those standing behind you now, the people you call your teammates. I swiveled my head around to see them. Sydney and Charlie rushing into the warehouse to make sure I was all right, both alive and well. And the relief of seeing them as such was almost enough to make me forget about the fly entirely, but he continued. They are murderers. They are agents of genocide. You are a good man, Jackson Teak. I know it at the bottom of my heart. You are not like them. I smirked tears welling up on my bottom eyelids as I apologetically glanced at Charlie and Sid. You're wrong, Enzo. Hell, I'm not even that good of a man. And I'm exactly like them. We're just cowards. We aren't murderers, just coerced, cowardly kids playing out the terrible hands dealt to us by a proxy of destiny. There's nothing you can say to make us hate ourselves more than we already do. Just an army of self-loathing, scared kids. But you know what? We're something else entirely on top of that.
I pulled him in tightly, glaring at a hundred reflections of a livid me in his bulgy artificial compound eyes. We're a family. So you want some black and white? You want some oversimplified morality? I'll give you the story as plain as I can make it. You tried to kill my family. For that you pay. And I headbutted him. With a loud pop, both eyes shattered. He was knocked out cold before he had a chance to mourn the loss of his greatest creation and I let his comatose body flop onto the ground. Then as he lay there before me, motionless and out cold, I inhaled to deliver the final blow. To crumple his body the way I had his guns, his wings, his arms. No! Charlie grouped between us with sincere urgency, then gagged and stumbled back. I caught her wrist and pulled her up to her feet, and she grabbed either side of my face. In spite of her obviously rough state, she focused on what she wanted to say. No. Do not. Do not kill him. Please, Jackson. Charlie, after everything he did... I know. Believe me. But don't let him make you into something you aren't. Don't let this insignificant asshole take my favorite person away from me. He's harmless now. He's containable and he'll rot in the dungeons until he forgets his own name. He cannot hurt anyone anymore except for you, Jackson. And the only way he can do that is if you kill him. Do not let him have that power over you. Not an ignorant, weak man such as this. Please, JT. Her gorgeous, pale blue eyes begged me with an earnest softness that betrayed everything I knew about Charlie. Please. I slowly unclenched my fists. I could tell by the green of her complexion that she was overgrouped, on the brink of unconsciousness and only barely standing by the good graces of my telekinesis, yet I flung myself around her with all of my weight, collapsing completely into a shattered, sobbing heap of an embrace. In spite of everything, Charlie stood strong and supported me up, like she always had and always would. Then Sid limped toward us, equally in terrible shape, and wrapped himself around as well. The mighty triumvirate. <laughs> the three most powerful living anomalies in the known universe yet. There we stood for what felt like forever, hugging, sobbing, weak and fragile. Human. All three of us, no words, over the broken, self-proclaimed hero who had tried to end the world opposing us for all the complications of what we were, for all the blurry unknowns and shaky truths, for all the uncertainty about the meaning of wrong, that moment was 100% right. We held on to each other because nobody was holding on to us and we had nobody else to hold on to. And for a few seconds together, everything seemed to make sense when nothing actually did. Fly had taken more away from me than he would ever have the capacity to realize completely. In a sense, he had deprived me of my humanity more than the devil himself. But just like Prophet, at least he left me this. So, uh, do either of you know why my face is, like, super sore right now? Uh, nope. N nope. No idea. Oh, Jackson, you have a mark on your cheek. Hey, Sid. 
Shut up. It is roughly the shape of a hand. Oh, really? Okay, wait. Hold on. I can explain. Is it a freakishly tiny hand? Oh, time out. My hands are perfectly normal size. Yes, it is freakishly tiny. Sydney, what the fuck, bro? Wow, Charlie. Hold on. Let us measure. No, no, stop. Let me go. Jackson, I can explain. Sydney, stop. A perfect fit. I was knocked the fuck out. Exactly. I, I was panicking. I couldn't even defend myself. Would, would you guys say that I have a freakishly large large hand? Yes, yes. definitely. You could said. pull a watermelon. Yes. Good. Why is that good? I'm the only one with normal hands. What the fuck? My hands are perfectly normal size. Incorrect. I do not understand how you hold the most basic of household objects. How many times did you slap me? It like really hurts. More than 10 times. Uh-huh. And was there something about slap number nine that made you think 10's gotta be the one? <laughs> um, well, Thank you for listening to The Beam Chronicles, a fiction podcast written and produced by me, MJ Dooney. We are three chapters away from the end of the first book. If I'm allowed to say this, I'm really proud of that. This has been a pure labor of love, passion project the last few months, and it's been very draining making this story I've been holding on to for decades into something people can hear. Hopefully, all that hard work and mental anguish and shit paid off in the form of a little entertainment for you, and if that's true, First of all, a five-star review would be great, but also an email, beamchronicles at gmail.com, would also be great. Uh, I'm still so curious about who's listening to this and why it's very lonely on this end of the mic when you're just a guy making something that he deeply loves. So yeah, uh, send me a message. I I'd love to connect. I said this the last two weeks without a single bit of interest, but I figure if you missed the call last time, it's worthy of a repeat. I want to pay someone actual money to draw some things for me. A listener would be spectacular, so if you have artistic inclinations and you want to talk ideas, message me somewhere, anywhere. Uh, the usual stuff, like, follow, subscribe on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, all music and sound effects were sourced from the Epidemic Sound Library. Special thanks to Sergio Duarte for creating the cover art for this podcast, and thanks again for listening. <laughs>